0: So, The sermon I was going to preach next week and I'm preaching today the songs that Ken has picked because he didn't know about all this were for Neil's sermon which Neil will have next week Lord willing but uh, um, I was happy to be able to share this with you today I would have shown it next week because it follows on from what I shared with you last week uh, and this one it's, it's hindering the ministry of the Holy Spirit or how we might lose the fullness of the Holy Spirit so in a sense it, it is just a continuance of what we had last time but let's just come to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father we thank you for your great grace that abounds that uh, you overrule in all the circumstances of men and women, children, in nations, in rulers, uh, and uh, all the things that are happening, work to that end that your Bible tells us will come about so far as Israel is concerned and the Lord return of the Lord Jesus is concerned. But we live each day by day and each person lives and we pray for those in the uh, countries where there is war. Uh, Lord... It's one thing to be praying for the outcome of the, the uh, conflict but for the individuals that are going through it whether they be old whether they be uh, parents or whether they be young children we just pray lord that out of this many will come to faith in the lord jesus we're encouraged because your bible tells us that in the tribulation time multitudes will come to faith uh, because of the preaching of the 144,000 witnesses we pray for those who are witnesses of yours in these war-torn countries now that their testimony will be faithful it will come to those who are genuinely seeking to know the truth those who are despairing of, of what men are doing because of sin uh, the pride of man the ambitions of man, the selfish desires Oh, Heavenly Father, we just pray that for the souls because uh, we know the ultimate outcome, but we just pray that in the process there will be many who will call upon your name. We pray for Jackie as she has this uh, operation, her eye this week, the cataract. and Lord, we just pray that this one will go well, that uh, there will be no hindrance to her uh, being able to fulfil the ministry that you've given to her, uh, through her family and uh, through uh, her fr- other friends and, and through the ministry. We pray for Pastor Neil too, and we know this has been an ongoing concern for him over years. And, but uh, we just pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll heal him on this occasion, that uh, you'll strengthen him, that he'll be able to fulfil the ministry that he's had with us for, for more n- nearly three decades, and we're so blessed for one who loves you and who expounds your word faithfully and truthfully. We just pray for his healing and he'll be able to fulfil all that you just desire for him. We thank you for the safe return, must well, not necessarily return, but for taking Margaret to Tasmania, that they're able to accomplish that and she's in a home where she's being cared for. And uh, we just thank you now for your grace. May you be with us. Your Holy Spirit, uh, Grant the grace, the gift of God, that he opens our heart to receive the things that you share, that your name may be glorified. Amen. We're nearing the end of our series, uh, as you can tell. Well, I hope you can tell. But uh, I'm only planning two more after this one. But... uh, We have made lots of comments in the past in messages uh, and topics concerning the personality of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Last time we uh, addressed the matter of retaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We'll review that briefly in a moment. But there was the natural person, the carnal person and the spiritual person in a similar line this time we're looking at three ways we might lose the fullness because once, once we are filled with the Spirit of God we want to maintain that but clearly we all of us who walk with the Lord know that there are times we lose the fullness of the Holy Spirit and so we'll be looking at some of the reasons for that uh, today and uh, in broad stroke, I'm not going into all the detail but in broad stroke again uh, and, of course, always how to regain the fullness of the Holy Spirit as well. And we must never forget that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, as, we, as when we talk about the Lord Jesus, as when we talk about our Heavenly Father, it's all to do with a relationship, a relationship with a person. In fact, if the Holy Spirit were not a person who could interact with you and me, uh, today's sermon would might just as well go in the rubbish bin But he is a person We can relate to him We do relate to him And uh, that's what we'll be looking at today um, Today we'll be looking at these ministries With regard to how he leads a sinner uh, Convicts them of their sin uh, And of the Saviour uh, Also when one becomes a, a Christian How they can be empowered to serve God Uh, and of course how you can lose that power Uh, and lastly how we can live day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit it's God's intention I think I said that last week it's God's intention and plan that each of us live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, 7 days a week now if, if you've been a Christian any length of time you know that doesn't happen because of our failures and we'll be looking at that today as to why it is that sometimes we lose the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Remember that uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is permanent. The moment you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he indwells you. The fullness of the Holy Spirit has to do with who's controlling your life. And we looked at that uh, last week. it is possible to lose the filling of the Holy Spirit or the control of the Holy Spirit because we've been given a free will. God gave us a free will to choose. He will never override that. God will never override our free will. But he is working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, the circumstances of your life, the things that God brings into your life, are to that end that you want to do what God wants you to do. But he'll not force you to do anything. Sometimes we wish he would. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But he won't. We have to want to do it. And uh, I, I talked to Scott after his sermon last time when he... He said that uh, one of the comments he made, that it's hard to forgive, sometimes it's hard to forgive. And uh, I just told him afterwards, that said, no, it's not hard to forgive if we want to forgive. It's only hard to forgive if we don't want to. That's why God is working in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. So how might we lose the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's a bit of review first remember this last week we ended up with these three circles the first one is self on the throne and Christ is on the outside of the circle of life that's a natural person it's someone who doesn't know God someone who doesn't walk with God someone who's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour they are still under the power of their sin they are governing their own lives they are doing what they want to do the second one is a person a carnal person, is someone who has received Christ as their saviour, but they are still sitting on the throne. They are still going to do what they want to do. I've got my ambitions, I want to go here, I want to do that, I want to have this position, uh, and so on. It's me on the throne, but they are a Christian. The Spirit of God indwells them, as you can see, the cross in the circle, but they're doing their own thing. The third person, the spiritual person is one where Christ is on the throne he is the one in control and by through the Holy Spirit that's where we're talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit he's the one in control of the person yes, you're in the circle of life, obviously but who's in control of your life? Who's choosing the, your path? And of course, how he, how he directs your life and chooses it is, is another branch of several sermons but just remember that they are the only three kinds of people there are in the world one where Christ is not even in the circle of life one where a person has received him but have chosen at some later time that no I'm, going to, I'm I want to do this or do that and we all do that from time to time sometimes without realising it we draw lines, I'll go thus far and no further happens in our church we ask somebody if they want to go on further, if they want to be discipled, if they want to do more Bible study. Oh, no, no, I've got other things I want to do. Things like that. But then there's a spiritual person where the Spirit of God or Christ is the centre of their life. He's directing their paths. Uh, I think we, if we are truly born of God, we do vacillate between carnal and spiritual so don't think, you, if you, don't think that you're different to anybody else. We do. And that's the whole purpose of last week's sermon, and this one is so that we can better uh, spend more of our time in the fullness of the Spirit and less grieving or quenching or resisting the Spirit of God. Once again, we must remind ourselves that we're not speaking about someone behind their back. The Holy Spirit is here. He's present with us. He's our helper. He's here to help us. He's not here to with a whip to belt us. He's not here with a stick to beat us. He's here to help us to understand these things, and he'll t- he may very well take you beyond the things that I share, because you've, if you've been reading your own Bible, if you've been studying your own Bible, he may bring to remembrance things in your mind that, that I don't even mention. He's our helper. Jesus sent him to be our helper that's why he's come to be our helper his aim is to reveal Jesus Christ to us and to glorify him and as i mentioned last week that the the fullness of the holy spirit is a gift i must emphasize that again it's a gift it's not something we merit In fact, we're more likely to to do things that make us so we don't merit him. If we had to merit the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't need it. First of all, someone doesn't like my preaching. (laughs) Oh, well, it hasn't walked out yet. But first of all, uh, it's possible to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. I think we're all distracted. That's all part of life. We all have those moments when we have little children, don't we? And some of you who are not so little now were like that one time. don't? So don't go judging. You ask your mum or dad, they can probably tell you. Fortunately, my mum and dad are with the Lord now. You can't ask them about me. But I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did some... Yeah, I'm glad God is gracious and forgiving I gave my parents grief at times first of all it's possible to resist the work of the Holy Spirit Uh, I just want to read from Acts 7 51 this is uh, Stephen speaking to those who were about to stone him to death to the Jewish religious leaders. He wasn't talking to Romans, he was talking to religious leaders. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Remember that the role of the Holy Spirit in relation to salvation is to bear witness to Christ, to glorify him, and in that process he convicts men of their sinfulness. I was just talking with Helen a little while ago and I made mention of a a man who went to church, every, I assume, every week, but regularly. And when I talked to him about, about Jesus dying on the cross, he said, I don't need Jesus to die for me. I'm good enough. Well, clearly the Spirit of God up until that point hadn't convicted him of his sinfulness. And, of course, that in itself, saying such a thing, believing such a thing, is the ultimate sin of pride and arrogance. But that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin. But of course what Stephen was saying about these uh, Jewish religious leaders was that they resisted the truth that salvation is by faith not by works. And this is the work of the Spirit of God in regeneration. These people were resisting that that work of regeneration The miracle of new birth. You know, you get people saying, oh, they want to see miracles, this miracle, that miracle. Well, the only miracle that counts is the new birth. So so what if I get healed from some bodily ailment? I'm still going to die? The only thing that counts is the new birth. That is the miracle that counts. Other miracles are great. If God chooses to heal somebody or or do some other things, I, I mean, I... If I wanted to I could sit down and list miracle after miracle in my life but the only one that counts is the new birth because that's the only one that endures beyond the grave. Nothing else will endure beyond the grave except that. The meaning to resist the Spirit of God is not just about ignoring or discounting. It is to actively oppose. That's what these religious leaders were actively opposing—the gospel of Christ. And, and historically, they, the, the prophets. I've been reading through the, the Samuel and the Kings, and how they resisted the prophets. The prophets, God sent the prophets to the kings, and they resisted it. They didn't want to. In most occasions. But Stephen describes for us how Israel's leaders had done this in the past and he does say, and that's an illustration to us so that we, we might recognise it today. Do we, we resist the Spirit of God? I mean, I don't know what's in your heart, you do, but he's saying, well, I don't really want to hear this, I'm not interested in this. That's resisting the Spirit of God. Stephen, in his defense before these Jewish leaders, reminded them of the way God had consistently provided for them and borne witness to them. They had the witness, they had the truth, and they had the invitation. but they resisted it and so chose another way. I hope you don't do that. I trust if you're a regular attendee here, you've, you've had the witness, you've heard the truth and you have an invitation not from me but from Jesus. He says, come to me. He says, follow me. That's Jesus' invitation to you personally. Have you come to him? Are you following him? Are you walking with him? Years ago, I asked Monica to marry me. We've walked together ever since. There's been ups and downs. There's been good times and some less than pleasant, but we've walked together. And that's how it is with Jesus. Walk with him. Yeah, there'll be some times when it's not so pleasant. There'll be some times you'll wonder, what what nurse on his mind? Uh, Us men, we wonder about our wives like that all the time, don't we? What nurse are you thinking? And wives are thinking about their husbands. What nurse are you thinking? And sometimes we have that with Jesus too because he he is God incarnate, yes, but he is God holy and pure. We've never experienced that. So sometimes we may be a little foreign, things may be a little foreign to us. But in regard to resisting the Spirit of God, in Romans chapter 1, there's a few selected verses here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 21 Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's what happens when someone resists the Spirit of God. Uh, they obviously don't glorify him they're not thankful because they haven't received anything and they become futile in their thoughts you ever thought about that? and their foolish hearts were darkened verse 25 who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever Amen Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You can see it's a downward spiral away from God as darkness, such that they practice things deserving of death. And not only do they do them, but they approve those who practice them. This is going on in our world today, isn't it? The big issue, one of the multitude of issues in America, but one at the moment is the Alabama state have said that to. Uh, IVF, the treatment of an, an embryo, which is a fertilised human egg, is ten, if, if you kill it, it's murder. Big argument about that over in America. But you see, uh, but uh, both, both the uh, current president and the former president are both saying, well, it's okay to destroy them. So they not only do the same, but they approve them, the murdering of children in the womb. And of course, there's a multitude of excuse me, other things as well. In Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, lying wonders. You hear that? Satan can do miracles? Never forget that. Just because a miracle happens doesn't mean it's from God. You've got to look at more than just the actual miracle. You've got to look at what's behind it. Lying wonders. Satan is the father of lies. Man, it's interesting. I forget who it was now. Recently there was another person in the media who is an out-and-out liar. Everybody knows he's an out-and-out liar, but he's so believable. Yeah. We knew a, young, a child like that when, when Jeff and I, when Jeff was in school and Jenny too. But Jeff and I had some interaction with this person, but uh, he, could, he, could, he could tell a lie, and you knew he was lying, but it sounded to the truth. You felt guilty for not believing him, and yet you knew it was a lie. Satan is behind that. Lying wonders and, all, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. See, those who resist the Spirit of God do not receive the truth, the love of the truth, and they can't be saved, because they won't receive the truth. Acts 13.46 Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first that is to the Jews first but since you reject it or resist it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life behold we turn to the Gentiles. That's sad isn't it? Of course the good news is that many Jewish individuals are being saved even today. They are receiving Messiah Jesus. But at that time, as a nation, as a religious organisation, they didn't, and they still don't. They still don't. So from these passages we see that it's the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit, in other words, the, the convicting of sin to bring a person to salvation, that is what is being resisted. But it's also possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit were not a person, you could not grieve him. You can't grieve electricity. You can't grieve gravity. The Spirit, Holy Spirit is a person. He can be grieved. He can, we, we can cause him sorrow. Have you ever had someone cause sorrow to you in a relationship? I'm sure you have. Have you ever thought that perhaps sometimes you do that to the Holy Spirit? But let's let's just look at some passages relating to that. And this now, of course, is the sanctifying work. After a person is already saved, after already born of God, after already a new creation, it is possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. An unsaved person can't. The spiritually, they are dead. Dead as the bugs on the floor. No, they've all been vacuumed up but uh, that did but this is, this is for someone who is yes born of God but they can cause sorrow or grieve the Holy Spirit that's a, to my, that, my mind that's a mind boggling thing that I can actually cause sorrow to God you can actually cause sorrow to God I know you don't want to I don't want to but the fact is we can and very likely we do in Ephesians 4:26, and in here we have a description of what it is to grieve the Holy Spirit, as well. What kinds of things grieve the Holy Spirit? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labour, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. So in there we have a number of things that will grieve the Holy Spirit and of course there are some that will show that we are filled with the Spirit of God. Chapter 5, Ephesians verse 1 Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But, and these are the things that will grieve the Holy Spirit, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. We like to have our jest, don't we, Graham? Nothing wrong with jesting. It says, coarse jesting. You know, one of the, one of the, I'm going down a rabbit trail here, but uh, I enjoy listening to comedians at times, but as soon as they go into coarse jesting, it shows that they are not a comedian at all. A good comedian doesn't need to do that kind of thing. He can get you laughing without being coarse or crude. nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. I've said before, a person who is is filled with the Spirit of God will be living a life of thankfulness. They will always be thankful because they know that everything that comes into their life, God has put it there for a reason, a purpose. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers uh, with them. So we have a number of things there that uh, would grieve the Holy Spirit. But instead let's walk in light, Ephesians five eight. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, of righteousness and truth. Finding out what is the accept is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. <clears throat> and the exposing here is by the fact that you walk a righteous life, that exposes them. You don't need to go around like a spiritual policeman pointing out everybody's wrongdoing. No, it's by your righteous living you will expose that which is unrighteous. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness. Romans 1.4 Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We sing the song uh, Be Holy for He is Holy. And that's not... The words have gone out of my mind now, but we sing a number of songs. We sang some today about the holiness of God. He is the spirit of holiness. If we're going to not grieve him, uh, we will uh, walk in holiness too. He is the spirit of wisdom, understanding and knowledge, Isaiah 11. Two, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's uh, the spirit of life and power. Romans 8.2 For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And this next verse has a special place in my life because I suffered, uh, endured f- uh, five years of depression, uh, most of that when I wasn't walking with the Lord. But it was this verse that uh, brought me out of it uh, or helped me through it and still does because once you put, if you're a person who endures depression, uh, it, it's for, for life. It comes and goes. And, uh, but this verse is one that has always been helpful to me. It was shared with me one night at a prayer meeting by an elder of our church. I was bawling my eyes out at the time. I was absolutely in a bad state. He said, but God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I memorized that verse then, and I still do, and uh, I rely on this is God's truth to us. He has given us a spirit of life and power. He is the spirit of truth, John 14, 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you is the spirit of faith 2 Corinthians 4:13 and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written I believed and therefore I spoke we also believe and therefore speak he is the spirit of love and grace. To, again, 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. The ability to love. Before I was a Christian, I was as selfish and self-centred as he could possibly be. But he's, he gave me the ability to love. For which I am forever grateful. And of a sound mind we go through periods in our lives when we're down when things aren't going well when we're overtired which is often linked to my depression anyway and we sort of wonder about our minds but God has given us a sound mind one that is able to clearly think through things but of course sometimes like Elijah we need to have some food and we need to have some sleep uh, first Hebrews 10.29 of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy of who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? And that's, I think, speaking of someone who has resisted the gospel, resisted Jesus Christ. They've heard that... They, they, uh, I had a, a manager that I worked with one time when I worked in the bank many years ago. He was a Roman Catholic, and uh, he was a charismatic variety of Roman Catholic... And one Friday afternoon, I was uh, uh, reading my Bible at lunchtime, and he came out, and I was sharing with him from Galatians uh, that salvation is a gift of God through faith, not by works. And uh, he didn't believe it, so he, he he looked down and he read through he read through it himself, and I could tell that the Spirit of God spoke to him. He knew, and uh, that whole weekend. Uh, I was mindful of him, prayerful of him wondering what he would do with that Monday morning uh, he was the last to arrive which was fairly normal for him Uh, my desk was near the rear door he came in through the rear door stood behind me and uh, in a loud voice to all the staff he said I declare war on David Barry's exact words so guess which way he went He resisted the gospel of Christ. He didn't resist me. He resisted the gospel, and I'll tell you, he lived out what he declared. So much so that uh, a miracle happened. I was a classified officer in the bank. Classified officers in the bank never get transferred unless they ask for it. But I was transferred without asking for it. And God put me on relieving staff of the bank, and for the next two years, before I went to Bible college, the next two years, I went to over 70 different branches of the bank and in every branch I shared the gospel with some of the staff. You know, that was a miracle. That's the kind of miracle you want. Anyway, we're, we're down a rabbit trail there. Where were we? So we've, it's possible to resist the Spirit of God for unbelievers, it's possible to grieve or cause the Holy Spirit to be sorrowful Which is obviously going to affect his ministry but it's also possible to quench the Holy Spirit Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says do not quench the Spirit of God this refers to his presence within us as our power to serve us and you probably know what the word quench means but if you've got a fire, you throw a bucket of water on it. It puts it out. And that's the idea. We can can do things that will put the fire of the Holy Spirit out. As I said before, we're still indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but it just takes him out of control of our lives so that we become carnal. This is the power for, for service that the Holy Spirit gives to us as we serve the Lord. Acts 2, 1-4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with in other languages as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. You'll notice that all this was at the uh, inclination of the Holy Spirit. These men did not ask for anything. The Spirit of God just gave it to them. We quench this fire by mingling it with the fire of fleshly effort. Or by seeking to use the gifts that God has given us for selfish ends. And this was the problem that the Corinthian church had is that that they didn't lack any spiritual gift but they were abusing them. They were not using them as the way the Holy Spirit intended. If we assert our will against the will of God through the Spirit the fire will go out. But the fire will can burn again as we declare afresh our loyalty to Christ and desire his glory and make our whole being available to him through his spirit. So just trying to sum that up a bit. In regeneration we may resist the Holy Spirit by rejecting the conviction of sin. That's for unsaved people. But for those of us who have received, and and as I said last week, everybody is filled with the Spirit of God when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. At the time of the rebirth, the new generation, they are filled with the Spirit of God. Otherwise, they could never accomplish what That just couldn't happen. But, of course, being new or ignorant lack of understanding we will soon grieve the Holy Spirit one of the reasons is by neglect I hope you don't neglect God's word I hope you don't neglect your relationship with Jesus Christ it's why a lot of marriage relationships break up because they neglect each other If you neglect Jesus Christ, if you do not spend time in your word and in prayer each day, you're going to grieve him. You're going to cause him sorrow. You don't want to cause Jesus sorrow, do you? Then spend time with him. That's what he wants. Walk with him. Come to me. Walk with me. And in fruitfulness, the quenching of the Holy Spirit by acting independently of him, which is what we have talked about in that second uh, picture where you've got self on the throne. Yes, Christ is in the circle, but we're not letting him rule or lead. Again, you must answer the question, not to me, but to yourself, which of these three is you? And the second question is, which one do you want to be? I trust that you all want to be the third one. If that is your desire, even if you may have a few hiccups here and there, which I'm sure you will, because we all do, but if that is your ultimate desire, then expect that Jesus Christ will take you on a course of your life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to that end the road to that end won't be the same as somebody else's. Some of you may have what what may seem like an easy road, some may have what seems like a tough road, although I don't know that there's such a thing as easy because we've got an enemy, remember? We've got an enemy, Satan, working through sin in the flesh, who's doing everything to corrupt this or interrupt it. But the Holy Spirit, if that is your true desire to be a a spiritual person, he will take you on a course that will work that out. And of course you can be a spiritual person from the moment you express that desire. That's when it starts. That's when it starts. And there will be times if that happens that the Spirit of God will let you know that it has happened. If you're reading the scriptures, if you're in prayer, he will make known to you. You don't have to do a, a dirty washing sort. He will make it known to you as and when you are ready to receive it. We, you know, we, don't, we don't put five-year-old children into high school, do we? They, start, they work their way up. And as in our Christian life, We do that too in a similar fashion, but we're not all on the same course. We don't all do the same subjects at the same time. That's part of being um, patient with those around us. Just because you've learned something doesn't mean everybody else has. Be patient and and rather edify, build up rather than put down. The way back at any time, of course, is... 1 John one nine. I trust you've memorized this verse. If we, this is our part, confess our sins, then God will do his part. He is faithful and just or justified. The reason he's justified to forgive us is because of what we just celebrated here. Christ shed his blood at Calvary. It's only by the shedding of his blood, the payment of your sin and my sin, that God can forgive us. It's not, God doesn't forgive us because he loves us. He sent Jesus to the cross because he loves us. He forgives us because Christ, Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us. He is justified to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. How much is all? Everything. It's all. Past, present, future all unrighteousness but we only enjoy that as we confess our sins if we refuse to confess our sins when we are aware of them if we're not aware of them you can't because you're not aware of them but you when you are aware that you've sinned against the lord you've grieved the holy spirit or you've quenched him through one of these many things that we've looked at in these scriptures you just agree with him yes i'm sorry i grieved you I caused you sorry when I did this or that. We confess, that's our role. He forgives and cleanses, that's his role. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can even study these things from your word where we can even begin to understand them. But we know this understanding comes because your Holy Spirit works with the new creation that we are in Christ to give us that understanding. And so we pray, Lord, that not one of us will go out of here unchanged today, that we'll have a greater appreciation of the wonder and the greatness of your salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary that we may be more uh, surrendered, committed to walk with you, to continue to receive that invitation, to receive you, to walk with you. And Lord, we just thank you that you are gracious, that you are patient, that you are long-suffering, so that when we do grieve the Holy Spirit, perhaps resist him or quench him, that you are always quick and willing to forgive. And we know that you are because of what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace today, allowing us to meditate on these things and just worship you because these are words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen.